and gentlemen, boys and girls, Giant Time is here. That's right, we've reached the final chapter of Friday the 13th. Uh, it's not the final chapter, it's just the last part of the original. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from Camp Crystal Lake. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. And we're going to unpack all of those gory details of Friday the 13th in the hopes that a counselor's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make at their expense. And as always, there is only one person that I trust to hold my hand in the dark, dark forest and be there in the hospital when I wake up the one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing, Gina? I, I'm very well, thank you. Excellent. So we're right back into it after the biggest deaths of the entire movie. Uh, we're back to a couple inconsequential uh, white guys who just are in the way. Uh, let's get into it first with uh, Steve, the camp owner, quote unquote, of Camp Crystal Lake. Uh, what can we say about Steve that's positive? Gina, he, he has a he has a spectacular mustache. Yes, yes, he absolutely has a spectacular mustache. That's true. It adorns his face very well. He has a face for a mustache. It doesn't look out of place. Um, he, he looks a little. He looks a little bit like he should be you know, playing the keyboards for sticks. It's an interesting look for a a, a camp a summer camp owner. I, that may have been the time. I, I think if you took a picture of anybody. Around 1979, 1980, chances are they looked like they could be playing keyboards for sticks. Like that's true. My my, my dad looked like he could have been playing keyboard for sticks back then. So, <laughs> my dad was way too square. He looked like maybe in charge five, of transportation or security, or or he played like five neat guys from uh, from SCTV. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> he also had a mustache, but a very very well kept mustache. Steve comes across best everywhere else steve is a bit of a bit of a jerk he has been involved with alice we learn at one point and begs her to give him another chance and to stay as part of the staff of camp crystal lake and the it flashes across her face the immediate answer is hell fucking no but she's too nice to say it out loud and he does not get that the only woman who really gives him any time is the owner of the diner that he eats at for the ridiculous low price of like a dollar and change <laughs> is is most one of the most anachronistic parts of this is his price tag at the end and he's like gives her three dollars and she goes to give him change like Hold on to that. That's where you're making... Why would you do that? I know you're supposed to go through the motions, but... Like, hold, he's giving you a dollar and change from a meal that cost a buck seventy-one. Like, hold on to that. Um, and then he gets a ride from a sheriff's... The, the sheriff, I guess. Um, and who treats him like he's an Uber driver. And they yimmer yammer to one another. 
the sheriff gets a call on the radio. Uh, he says, I got to drop you off. Um, and then he wanders towards camp. A bunch of things happen in the middle. And then in the blackest night possible, uh, we see Steve approach the uh, Camp Crystal Lake sign. And I think how darkly this film is shot, if we could ever so briefly talk about it, is one of its great advantages. Oh, yeah, I yeah. I mean, it's it's whether they just simply didn't have it in the budget to use to have a lot of light or they just thought it was to better effect. It, it really works because, you know, a lot of, particularly in, and you could always see this in, you know, a lot of movies that are featured in, in Mystery Science Theater 3000, mm-hmm. that, you know, a lot of, a particularly egregious version of this was in Manos, The Hands of Fate, where <laughs> their nighttime shots were very obviously a daytime shot, done in the daytime, mm-hmm. but with, you know, a barely, you know, a, 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 the barest hint of like a filter on it. Yes. So it kind of gives everything a sort of bluish cast, and and it's not really fooling anybody. It's just it, yeah. what it what it says is you know we only have a very limited time to 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 to, to shoot this footage, so we're just going to shoot day for night. But I mean, yeah. they still do that. I mean, it was very famously done recently with with Mad Max Fury Road. But right. but in the, it worked for that because it kind of gave it a sort of otherworldly, dreamlike feeling. It wasn't you didn't get the impression it was because you know I don't think it was because George Miller only had like an hour or two to film on that particular right. that particular set. So but you know a lot of, a lot of times it's just it's you know it's a sign of a movie that has been done on the cheap, and Friday Thirteenth was done on the cheap, but you know. You know, instead they're like, you know, well, you know, you know, fuck it, we'll light it with one of those you know, garage lights that you like ha- hook on the ba- on the on the trunk on the hood of your car. Where you have to you know do a do a, you, when you have to charge your battery at night. Yeah, it's 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 pretty much naturalistic, which um, is not what Carpenter did in Halloween, and it's not what Wes Craven was doing with The Hills Have Eyes. Right. leading up to this in terms of its contemporaries um everyone else either you know they use that motif of well the the moon's out and we're getting that very deep moon glow which will very quickly happen to the series but what i like about it is when you see a light come through the forest that's the only light you have and you don't know what's around the corner and there's something to that that i think you miss when you have a giant Klieg light, <laughs> you know, floating a good, you know, 50 feet away, you just, you lose that sense of, I don't know, I can't see everything. And it's it has worked in like monster movies forever to not show you everything. Right. And I wish maybe movies would get back to that. So Steve wanders up and he gets stabbed in the stomach. He got what, he, he really got what, was coming to him he, he my, did my. and and it's just it is actually a shame that his death is kind of just sort of kind of i i would say not really off the cover i don't think they put a lot of thought into it no. it was just you know well just make it look like you know you just have an effect that you know the, the the pov is that he just walks right up that well she just walks right up to him and stabs him whatever and it's just it's like well i mean again the lighting gives it a very spooky effect but it's sort of uh anticlimactic 
I guess would be the word I'm looking for. I mean, even yeah. in the, again in the in the the, the 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 wiki, it just says killed in stomach slash chest. So that you know, <laughs> well, it looks like something People can't was, tell where his stomach is and where a chest is. You know, it's I, like I, we didn't see the knife go into his face, so we can assume <laughs> it was either his stomach or his chest. Somewhere amongst the yellow slicker lies his body. We're not going to judge. Now, does his chest could be very low? His stomach could be. Where it's supposed to be. Okay. Does, does, does she refresh? Does, does she ref- refresh my memory? Does she? Does Alice? Is is he set up for her to find? Like with the, like with Bill and Brenda and all. I don't think he is. Is he? No, he is not. We don't really get the cavalcade of corpses that becomes a motif later on, uh, particularly in the next film, Part Two, where the killer gathers corpses. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> and we, oh well, the only true gathering of corpses that I care about really is "Happy Birthday to Me." Well, of course, yeah. Which that is the best. Um, but no, we don't get a, a we get a sm- we get a, a smidgen of it here. We get a taste, and later on, people go, "Oh, you know, it would be better if we put all the bodies in one place." So. Uh, he's not amongst that. He's just left to rot and and the uh, to bleed out in, in the middle of the forest, unloved. unlamented. Um, so then we have um, amongst that. Uh, Bill disappears um, to try to put the lights back on. Um, Alice uh, wanders off, finds his uh, red rain slicker, which we think, oh well, that's he's the red herring, and. Then when the lights come back on, she closes the door to the generator, and there's Bill hung up on the door with an arrow in the neck and an arrow in the eye, just, and his just, throat just, slashed for a good measure. And again, that, that has to that emphasizes what kind of sheer animal strength Mrs. Voorhees must possess to lift up a grown man and be able to just nail him to a wall with an arrow. Yes, I mean he's not exact he's not sporting a lot of extra weight on him, but he's at least what 175, 180, 185 pounds to lift that dead weight not only from wherever she killed him from and then hoist him upon a door. Like one-handed. It would have to, it would have to be one-handed too. <laughs> I mean, she is yeah, she must have grown uh, up on a she must have grown up on a farm or something like that. I mean, that's the only assumption I could make. And to do that without smearing her beautiful sweater in <laughs> viscera, I mean, she the woman is talented. Let's just put it out there. Let's let's praise her for what she is. She she carefully She's good sc- at this. She carefully scotch guarded her sweater before each kill. <laughs> She's an, older, she's, she's, she's an older woman. She's probably a little fussy, you know. So she, she, uh-huh. spray, she sprays it down, you know. I mean, that, that's, yeah, that's, 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 that sweater cost $40 at Montgomery Ward. She's not going to... That'll never come out. No, 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 no. And it's not like, you know, if you love that sweater, you go back next season. It's not going to be there. They're going to no. have different sweaters there. Um, my... my <laughs> very quickly, um, my the first like sort of professional photo we took of my son he was wearing a very similar sweater that sort of um you know winter on the nor'east as it were clamming sweater 
Um, and uh, we showed these pictures to my wife's uh, uh, mother and uh, her father-in-law, their friends. And sh and the woman looked at the picture and she just beamed. She, oh, he looks adorable. Oh, and look at him in that rich boy sweater. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> Why is that a rich boy sweater? I don't. Does she think of all was... the, I couldn't even. If you told me, hey, rich boy sweater. And what image would come to mind? I don't honestly know what that would be. I would just think of like a pattern of like dollar signs across the front of it. or <laughs> Something that Richie Rich might wear. Exactly. When it's, when it's you know, around 50-ish. It's fall. <laughs> there's a crisp in the air. But what do you actually um, mean? Wouldn't it actually, shouldn't it be thrown over his shoulders to be a, uh, a rich boy sweater? I, I would think that, I mean, at best... If you were to make a reference to it, I would think it would be like an Irish Spring commercial from the 80s of a guy whistling along the shore of Ireland. Because that's kind of what it looks like is one of those white wool Irish sweaters. But rich boy sweater. I don't even know where to go with that. Okay. So Steve's down. Bill, our red herring, is down. Uh, then we get Alice trying to protect herself and for the next 20 to 25 minutes is her running around various environments uh she she ties a doorknob to the to the rafters um she uh gets uh she's in the way when brenda's tossed through a window bloodied and surrounded with rope um and then she discovers mrs Voorhees. Um, who I'm trying to think of her exact words how she describes herself that she's a friend of the Christie's is how she describes herself. right 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 just just hanging around just just chilling you know I'm friends with the Christie's like I always come up to the camp in the middle of a dark night <laughs> Alice goes oh my god someone's trying to kill me someone's killed everyone else we got to get out of here um and Mrs. Voorhees is kind of like, <laughs> you are high as a kite or something, but I don't, I'm not buying what you're selling. Let's, I am not, I'm unafraid. Let's just wander about and talk with one another as I play cat and mouse with you. I, I don't know why she chooses. I guess because she's the last one left. Alice is the last one, so she's going to give her villains monologue. Uh, yeah, well, somebody, ha somebody, somebody has to hear it. So you yeah. know, I mean, which I don't know why she's explaining herself if, if she intends to kill her anyway. I mean, it's uh, you know, sort of like like uh, at the end of Natural Born Killers when uh, you know when Robert Downey Jr. tells her, "Oh, well, you know, you need someone to be your witness," and they're like, "Oh, well, we you know we do your camera," but I mean, you know, she's telling her all this, but it's I mean why are you telling her this if you you know, if not for you know for her to you know spread the legend of mrs Voorhees around right yeah i <laughs> it's it's kind of like well i'm unafraid of, of alice i don't really think very much of her but she's the one i'm going to explain why i went craze balls on everyone and eventually it comes out she was a cook at the camp that's why she's friends with with the Christie's and she lost her son uh, in a drowning accident. Now let's get into this a little bit 
<laughs> with Jason. Because as written, Jason was just a kid who drowned. And then the makeup that they decided to put on Jason <laughs> is gives the impression that Jason was not placed appropriately for his needs. Let's no, put it that way. No, I, I, I mean, he's a little kind of over-the-top deformed. I mean, he, he has, like, the big fried egg eye, you know, and it's like, and, like, his head is, mal- is misshapen, and it's like, why are you leaving this woefully deformed child, and I'm pretty sure that's no longer a politically correct term, but I can't think of the term I'm looking for right now. Well, but- Tom Savini described him, as, and he reminisced that there was a kid in his neighborhood who looked like this, and he describes him as a mongoloid. Which well, that's even worse. At a cer- <laughs> of a certain time, yes, it's the worst, aside being the best Devo song, <laughs> is the worst way to describe somebody. Um, yeah, this, they're, they're basically, there was no, this, 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 kid should not have just been kind of you know left to his own devices at a summer camp with a bunch of you know teenagers just kind of you know kind of half acidly watching out for him and and it's a little it's a little strange it's more than a little strange i mean i understand that she's working there so she wants to keep her child but if you're going to send, if you're going to give your kid a summer camp experience, and he requires these needs, I just don't think Camp Crystal Lake is the right place for him. Um, and as Betsy Palmer, the actress who's playing Mrs. Voorhees, is telling this, it's very emotional. It's, it's very well played. There's there's a tear in her eye. Um, the crazies start to coming out, and it flashes back to Jason's drowning and we get that full on day for night shot of the filter on the camera right which means that Jason drowned at night meaning that she's upset that counselors were screwing in the middle of the night and not watching her child and her child drowned in the middle of the night when he should not have been swimming and he also requires very special needs. I think Mrs. Voorhees is at least half to blame for this kid's death. Right. I mean, she wasn't cooking in the middle of the night. I mean, that's no. just, you know, I mean, and, and if your kid is prone, which I assume he might have been just kind of wander off, you know, on his own, you probably might want to put a lock on his cabin door or something like that or go with him if he needs to leave. Yeah, he needs to be monitored. He needs he needs special attention. He's not just some rando 9-year-old. He he obviously needs more help than the average. And so I think she's crazy because while they are complicit, they're not completely guilty either. Are are you willing to uh, give the the script possibly more more depth than it than it uh, than it's entitled to by suggesting that she is she is uh, dealing with her own resolved guilt by just kind of indiscriminately killing young people? I want to because I think this is the best script of all of them, mm. and it, there was no idea that there would be more of this, and so if they were just doing a drawing room um, 
you know, and then there was Nun style thriller that this motivation is both her um that this death has unlocked the psychopath underneath and the psychopath underneath is um due to her own you know inability to find a way to protect this kid Mm. and she takes it out on other people i it just has to be what it is Uh, and the the crazy thing is is that her monologue she's thinking of a regular kid because in the script uh, i say regular kid that's horrible uh but a a child that does not does not have this crazy needs special needs uh because that's not in the script that's something tom savini just did and she didn't know that until way down the line Hmm. And she's like, well, who's that? And they're like, oh, that's your son. That's the kid who's playing your son. She's like, that's not what Jason looks like. You're like, in this movie it is. And so she's like, that's nuts. Yeah, Why would it, I? Yeah, because it really makes her less sympathetic. Because yes. now you're thinking, now you're thinking, it's like, well, shit, lady, this is your fault. You let him go. You know, <laughs> it's like, you, yes. you know, don't take it on these poor horny kids. You know, I mean, this is. <laughs> You know, this is you know, primarily your responsibility. Absolutely. So Jason, quote unquote, dies. And we'll get into that for the rest of our lives after this. <laughs> um, and we especially need to talk about it at the beginning of, of our next episode. But now we get to Mrs. Voorhees' in full-on psycho uh, mode. She bears her smoker's teeth. She, they lunge and they have this sort of rock'em sock'em robots, uh, Star Trek Captain Kirk fight <laughs> along the shore. Um, well, wait, you didn't, you're, you're, you're skipping past the whole. Have you, have you, are you skipping past the whole killer, mommy? Killer! I am skipping past that. I <laughs> reminisce. Uh, I, I apologize for that. Yes, we, we get the what the <laughs> of that will happen throughout. <laughs> as the motif uh, is born from her kill her mommy kill her um it's it's another it's another it's another moment in the movie that should be creepy but it's kind of more silly i mean even even when you know even when you're you know like a kid when you're watching it it's like oh that's 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 kind of goofy yeah at least norman's mom only can be heard in his head right you don't have him, you know, enunciating like his mother and whatnot. <laughs> this is this is seriously a bizarre choice. Um, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I I don't like it. I kind of love it. It just is what it is. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't watch the movie as often as I have watched it. Um, so yeah, they they chase after each other. They they get down by the shore, um, and this is where we have our final denouement of <laughs> Alice. Uh, it manages to bite Mrs. Voorhees enough for her to drop the machete. Uh, they roll away from it. She runs back and picks it up and lunges at her. And Mrs. Voorhees, a woman who is strong enough to lift and toss women through windows 
and and pin hang and men pin, by hooks. Yeah, pen pin grown men to doors with arrows. <laughs> and shove an arrow through the back of someone's spinal column. Just kind of does what Marcy does in our last episode. She just kind of looks like kind of shocked, like, oh, you've got the machete now. This is not how I thought this would end. She's she's less like a person who's about to die and more like a person who got a Postmates delivery that wasn't to her liking. (laughs) Yeah, she just kind of looks more like, oh... Uh, that's happening, I guess. And then we get that. Actually, gorgeous... if I could, if I could stop for a second, it sort of, oh, no, sort, sure. it sort of reminds me of. Uh, I think it was the first Spider-Man, where <laughs> the the where the Green Goblin is like uh-huh. about to get hit with whatever the hell the flying thing was. And he was oh just sort yeah, of, his glider. Yeah, and he's just sort of like, oh, <laughs> this is like, <laughs> and it's like, well, that's that's a little understated of a reaction Willem Dafoe. Especially for Willem words. Dafoe. Will, Willem <laughs> I'll say Dafoe this for Sam he... Raimi may be, may, may be able to pull that one off. But oh I forgot. Steve is, is, is Steve is not left to rot in the forest. He's actually placed in Mrs. Voorhees' jeep. Oh okay. Okay. Oh no no no. That's another body. Steve is hung from a tree. So we are getting one body after the other. They're just popping up like 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 a uh, surprise you you came near the tree here's a dead body like the she, wind cause, cause, moved it just enough because because you know mrs Voorhees somehow knew that alice was going to go past that tree yes or it's just circumstance that's right before the kill her mommy kill her <laughs> uh, and alice runs off into the pitch black darkness which is maybe the best shot of the entire thing so now we get the the head chopping off like William Defoe from Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, I needed to buckle in for that one. Um, and I love it. Uh, and she just kind of like, what? And we get that beautiful slow motion head chop of her head coming off and spinning in the opposite direction of where it, you know, it's, it's very reminiscent of the head chop in the omen. Right, right. Uh, with the plate glass, um, uh, but this, it, you know, it doesn't. It does not look all that fake. It. Looks, it's not bad. I mean, I. It's not I, bad. That, that that part is better than the bloodless neck stump. You know, as the as the <laughs> the hands just kind of. I mean, it's kind of it's it's kind of creepy when the hands come up and start like wail, flailing around. But it's mm-hmm. like that's basically painted styrofoam i can i can see that you know i yes. mean it that that part is a little that 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 part is the spinning head is done way better than you know the body part yes well the body part is on tom savini's friend's shoulders he's leaning forward and he he uh, brings his hands up and that's i think um i can there's some sort of uh Problem. Not only do you see his his knuckle hair, his black Greek <laughs> knuckle hair. That's how Tom Savini describes it. This is not my anti hirsute Greek uh, problems coming to light, and um, and then I think there's a wedding ring that's either missing or there that shouldn't be. I can't remember which. 
Um, but yeah, she just she gets taken out by Alice, and Alice's reaction is, "Well, I've had nothing but a horrible time on land. I'm just gonna get in this canoe and go in the middle of the lake." Just gonna, just gonna chill for a little bit. I'm not, I'm not gonna go find the nearest highway and start running and screaming, you know, like like my hair is on fire. Yeah, I mean, like everyone is. I mean, I kind, I in a way I get it, but in a way I don't. It's like, there's other canoes. If you're afraid of other people, like they, they all they have to do is borrow a canoe and come after you. So yeah, she, she pushes herself into the middle of the lake and then we fade out and then we come up uh with the carry mist in the air <laughs> we see the police arrive and shout at her but she can't she's kind of in her own world of i just chop someone's head off just you know all, dabbling all, all, in the water all of my friends are dead you know reflecting on what's become of her life <laughs> and then we get the on top of it, Carrie scare of Jason leaping out of the water and dragging her back down. Which I think if we were both in this audience, not knowing anything more than the poster uh, or the trailer for this movie, might have scared the living hell out of us. It's pretty it, It's pretty effective. It, it, it is. I mean, even, you know, even knowing that, you know, she didn't actually die in that scene spoiler um you know that she that she does show up very briefly at the at the beginning of of the second one it, it's 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 just, it's about as startling as well the end of carrier which it, it's similar mm-hmm. in a lot of ways it was um, directly ripping off yeah i mean the very they, kind they of stated as such like we need a carry end yeah the very kind of dreamlike feeling of it and the the sort of like you know very synthesizer heavy you know music playing and 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 then like you know the sort of false sense of you know peacefulness after the chaos and then you know here comes a dead person well the person you thought was dead you know dragging you to some sort of you know horrifying afterlife doom i mean despite being a pretty blatant ripoff it's it's very well done i i think it's it's it it holds up very well and i think it's it's the the makeup in this at, at this point makes more sense to have him be sort of deformed and disfigured right because he's been and, i mean because apparently no one dragged the lake after he drowned right. and he's been just sitting laying under there like moldering for 20 years and and you know because I, I guess the crystal lake police force just doesn't have it in the budget to skim the lake when a child drowns you know, so he's just been... Yeah, did they assume that he drowned? I, I know this is a dream. I know, I know, because she wakes up in the hospital, we know this is a dream. But, for the love of God, it, it, but then they build off of this. The entire franchise is built off of this moment, of the supposition that Jason didn't die. Right. But that completely undoes the entire motivation for Mrs. Voorhees. Right, and it's like she's a, just right. nutso. Yeah, and, and, and he just, like lives off the land as a crazy goon in the forest. <laughs> M- meanwhile, she's I've 
lost my child. I need to kill people who open this camp over and over again <laughs> and poison the well. I, I just which 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 might have been easier for her to do. <laughs> that that yeah. poison, poisoning the well might have been a uh, a a faster way to get rid of everybody. Well, that's one of the things that is brought up by the truck driver when they're taking um, Annie to the camp. And he goes, yeah, they, they had two kids die, and then the year after that, the well was poisoned or something like that. Oh, my God, the emails we're going to get. Oh, Jesus. I've got to start keeping better notes. So that does it. This is, this is Friday the 13th. We are now through this movie. Um, we know I no longer have to watch it every single week. Uh, I can watch another Friday the 13th movie every single week. Um, do you have any final thoughts about it before we bid adieu? Um, not, not, I mean, obviously, out of out of all of them, this is still the one that you know, holds up the best. Because, again, as we get into... Like, one of the things I noticed as I'm looking at the wiki for this is that as you go on, the victim list gets longer and longer and longer and then you look at like um uh jason goes to hell and there is literally about 25 people who get killed in this movie (laughs) and it's it becomes a diehard film right and it's just like oh jason x there's even it there's even more people and and you know and a lot of them like i'm looking at um freddy versus jason and half the people half the characters don't even have names You've got yeah. like little girl, dead boy on tree, um, <laughs> ravers one through six. Yeah, security. The, the ravers. Yeah. I'm, here's spoiler alert, kids. The ravers have it coming. <laughs> yeah, they they do. Um, or you know, you know, female counselor. And I mean, it really is like just not that the characters in this one were too developed i mean they really weren't but i mean it, it kind of really lost that for lack of a better phrase sense of intimacy i guess yeah. like you know a, it, it lost that and then there was one kind of sense because it, it's somehow you know more frightening when you've got a small group of people and then they're like pretty much picked off and you know one by one then you've got like so many characters and supporting characters and people who just kind of wander in from you know for no reason onto like the bikers in part three um yes. actually i think bikers show up a lot in later movies and just you know are there mostly to cause trouble and yes. it, and it's just like you know, you've got people dying in groups of three groups of six going back to the rapers and it's yeah. just it gets a little bit like a video game after that point, where this one, it really does feel like a story you would tell around a campfire. Yes. I, well, and every sequel, of course, has to expand the scope and make it somewhat bigger is always the go-to. we got to make it bigger. we got to make it bigger. And the problem with making it bigger is you lose the immediacy and the claustrophobic nature of that of the original um in that they are essentially trapped there they're not they're not beyond help but help is a long ways away right uh and it's a it's an uncertain distance and there's no guarantee that you would get to it um whereas as we keep going people 
wander in and out of where other people are being killed in other Friday the 13th movies all the time. Right. Um, and it, it loses that. They, they just become wheat uh, <laughs> to be chopped. To their grist for the mill, as it were. Um, but there's not to say that there is not entertainment value to be had. Because we're going to talk about every single one of those deaths. So, very quickly, while we have the opportunity here, let's do Would You Rather. Would you rather Gina Radcliffe be... Stabbed in the stomach. Or chest. Or chest. <laughs> either either in chesticle, chest stomach area, the sternum, would you be rather be shot in the face with arrows and have your throat slashed on top of it? Would you like to drown in the middle of the night or be decapitated on the side of the lake? Um... You know, I, like, I, like I said in the last episode, I, 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 I am, I'm not a brave person. I would not want a, a, a prolonged death. And, you know, drowning is the least gory, but probably the, the most prolonged death. So I don't want to say drowning. I'm going to have to go with, with the decapitation. It's, it's quick. It's clean. It's a little gross with the hands flailing around and all, but, but I, that, I think I'd have to take that, that way out. Yeah. You're also going to see it coming. That's the other thing. Uh, yeah, that, that's true. That that's true. I mean, I think maybe the arrow to the eye might be not as bad because I mean, by the time you notice it, you're, I mean, that's it. Yes. It's like, oh, there's an uh, arrow. I. You, know, I <laughs> <laughs> you, you get only get halfway through the word. Um, yeah, I think I'm gonna go with arrow through the eye. Uh, again, anything that scrambles the brain, I think, is there because Mrs. Voorhees' decapitation. She, there's obvious there's blood still pumping you're still aware of it somewhat like the idea that the eyes are still watching her body stumble around on that beach uh might be too much for my delicate sensibility <laughs> so I, I will go with arrow through the eye uh to change things up well this is this has been delightful we've run the gamut of from mustaches to uh, Willem Dafoe and Spider-Man. We've talked about it all. Uh, Gina, where can people find you on the internets? Well, I write about a lot of old television that uh, nobody really cares about anymore except uh, you know people from my age group. It is uh, tuneintonight.wordpress.com and then there is a, uh, a supplemental Tumblr page that's tuneintonight.tumblr.com. All right. Awesome. And of course, you can reach out to both of us uh, at our Gmail, which is killbykillpod at gmail.com. We, of course, have our Tumblr. Um, and uh, we would love to hear from you. Let us know what you think of the show. Let us know what you think of Friday the 13th, the original. Uh, what do you love about it? What do you wish you could change? Uh, reach out to us and uh, give us a shout out. We'd love to hear from you uh, here at the Kill by Kill podcast. And so that just about does it. But don't worry. The body count will continue. We're going to see you in part two. So for myself and for Gina, bye-bye, everybody.
Kill by Kills produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Friday the 13th is owned by Paramount Pictures. Jason is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill logo was designed by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.